most people think of the men in black as the cool, stylish heroes of the movie franchise. They kept the world safe from aliens. But among the UFO subculture, the men in black are entirely different. They're shadowy figures who come after people who claim to experience paranormal activity. The idea of these men in black started in the 1950s, and one of the most notorious encounters happened in Bridgeport, Connecticut. This is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan, and I'm looking for unusual and compelling tales on the road from New York to Boston. I first stumbled across the men in black in books I read as a kid. I was kind of obsessed with aliens and the paranormal, and this was scary stuff. It gave eight-year-old me nightmares, no kidding. It is a monster that walks like a man, a creature from the blackest memory of your fears. This is from a very strange 1956 book called They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers by Gray Barker. It details the supposed run-ins with the men in black by a group of flying saucer obsessives, among them Albert K. Bender of Bridgeport, Connecticut. Bender never told us who the three men were or who sent them. All three men were dressed similarly in black. Three men in black suits with threatening expressions on their faces. Three men who know that you know what flying saucers really are. Bender drew a sketch of his supposed encounter. It became the iconic picture of the men in black. It shows uh, a gentleman in a black suit with a, a black Homburg style hat and his face is darkened by shadows and there's some kind of like uh, uh, light beaming around him. That's Michael Bilava. He's a librarian in Bridgeport who loves quirky Connecticut history. He wears a locket with a picture of that man in black. And at one point, he almost got rid of it. When I first put it around my neck, some strange things started happening to me, and things were going wrong. You know, I don't know if they were just, you know, coincidental, flat tires, strange bills I was getting, so it was like a negative. And I said, nope, 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 that's not reality. Reality is that it's a pin that's celebrating local folklore of Albert Bender. Bilava was so intrigued by Bender's story, he decided to do some research. A lot of research. He recently presented some of it at the Bridgeport Public Library. And please, we're going to talk about some really bizarre situations and some unexplained phenomenon. Bilava told the crowd that Albert K. Bender lived with his mother until she died in 1952. Then he moved into a small attic in downtown Bridgeport, just down the road from the library. Bender worked at the Acme Shear Factory. They made scissors. Some of his colleagues thought he was a little off. He filled his tiny apartment with newspaper clippings about UFOs, horror movie posters, and macabre occult memorabilia. He called his attic the Chamber of Horrors, and he would invite people from Acme Shear to come over, and usually they would come over only once. Every now and then, someone would come more than once and share Bender's fascination with the bizarre. He often invited these kindred spirits to join his club. He called it the International Flying Saucer Bureau, and he ran it out of his attic. For the most part, it consisted of a newsletter called Space Review. He typed up and mailed off to hundreds of members around the world. Balava says it was all great until one crisp October night. When he was walking down uh, one evening in he said a dark part of Broad Street, he felt as if he was being watched. Now this is where it starts to turn <clears throat> even more peculiar. And then he feels like he's not just being watched, he's being followed telepathically. 
and he feels as if he's being levitated. He feels as if his feet are leaving the ground. Bender was convinced he was followed by some sort of paranormal entity. When he got home, things just got weirder. As he's going up the steps, he notices in the, around the door jamb of his attic bedroom and den, there's a bright bluish glow emanating from around the door. He quietly opens the door and he sees what he describes as a, a, a nondescript figure of a glowing light in the middle of his room. But as he walks in, the light dissipates and goes away. He's not sure what that mysterious shape is. But what he does know remained was a stench of sulfur. Bender wrote an essay about his strange experience for his newsletter. A few weeks later, he got a knock on the door. It was them, the men in black. Bender calls them the silencers. He says that they look like clergymen. They communicated telepathically. And they told Bender, or ordered Bender rather, to stop publishing. They confiscated the remaining copies of Space Review. And when they left the room in their wake, there was a yellow mist and again, the smell of sulfur. Turns out a few other UFO enthusiasts had their own stories about the men in black. And their stories were disturbingly similar. Balava says it seemed like Bender was on the cusp of something huge. But then, suddenly, with just a cryptic message to explain himself, Bender hushed up. He canceled his newsletter, shuttered the Flying Saucer Bureau, and moved to California. And he writes in the final issue, the mystery of the Flying Saucers are no longer a mystery. The source is already known. But any information about this is being withheld by orders from a higher source. We advise those engaged in saucer work to please be very cautious. Bender didn't say anything about the men in black for the next nine years until he published a book called Flying Saucers and the Three Men. And it's totally bizarre. It starts with the men in black story, but ends with Bender going to Antarctica and taking a ride on a flying saucer. And that was it. Bender was done with the men in black. Balava doesn't know why Bender gave up on them. Maybe he just put the story behind him and moved on. I don't know if it's because he just never wanted to go back and admit that it was a hoax, or did he just want to not talk about it because it, it was such a tragic time in his life. Albert K. Bender gave the world one more notable contribution. He's the guy that started World Contact Day, which UFO enthusiasts still celebrate every March. In one of Bender's last newsletters, he asked his readers to memorize a proclamation and to think that proclamation at the same time, on the same day, so the aliens could hear it. Bender believed the aliens could read our minds. Here's some of that proclamation. It was supposed to be a message to the aliens to encourage them to come in peace. Calling occupants of interplanetary craft that have been observing our planet Earth. We are your friends and we'd like you to make an appearance here on Earth. Your presence will be welcomed with the utmost friendship. If these words sound familiar, it's because the rock band Klaatu later turned the message into a hit song, and then it became an even bigger hit for the Carpenters. And last Thursday, the song was performed to celebrate World Contact Day. This year, near the spot where Albert Bender's house once stood in downtown Bridgeport. And this was the first World Contact Day celebrated in Bender's hometown. Oh. 
organizer of the event was Michael Balava, the librarian you heard earlier. And of course, the crowd of just about a dozen people read from Albert K. Bender's proclamation. If you'd like to all read along with me, and then we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. Please come in peace and help us in our earthly problems. Give us some sign that you have received our message. Be responsible for creating a miracle here on our planet. Let us hear from you. We are your friends. This is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan. I'll be out there on the road from New York to Boston, looking out for strange and unusual stories. And maybe, just in case, I'll be watching the skies too. <laughs>